and good morning. I'd like to look at another small word that's found in the Bible, Scripture. Three letters. If you were to consult your Strong's Concordance and look up the word end, someone tell me what you would find. Thank you. Anybody know? Okay. And actually, it'll give you directions. Let's go to the appendix in the regular concordance. And then back there, they have all the little insignificant words listed. And end, there's pages number 1225 through 1236. That's 11 and a half. And there's actually a half page yet. So it's 11 and a half pages of the word. This is just an estimate now. So don't Google it, okay? Um, Eleven and a half pages, and there's there's eighteen columns of references on each page, and approximately one hundred and seventeen per column, giving us an estimated number of the word usage uh, in the King James uh, version, twenty four thousand two hundred nineteen times. I think it's important that we understand what the the word end means. What do you think? Well. Uh, Webster defines the word end as a particle or function word joining words and sentences and expressing the relations of connections or addition so as I was thinking about that word end and I just backing up a little bit how I got to the word end it wasn't like I was thinking about well how inspirational is this word end <laughs> you know, I got a blessing just looking at the word end well I did and I hope to transmit some of that to you this morning. Um, you know, you try and talk without using the word end once. And maybe you'll appreciate it more. Matter of fact, I was going to look. I think it's on our church sign. Anybody confirm that? Is the word end on our church sign? I meant to look before we came in. I think it says Prairie Mennonite Church and School. I'm not 100% sure on that. I think it's church and school are both mentioned. Anyway, check it when you leave. <laughs> but uh, I thought about it in several different ways. First of all, I thought about it in a personal way. And uh, you can think of your personal experiences. You know, I, and this is how I got to thinking about it. I was thinking about Easter last Sunday, and I was thinking about you know what transpired in that following week after. And, uh, you know, all the turmoil that the disciples were going through and the rejoicing experience they had in, in, in realizing that Christ did not stay in the tomb. He, was, he, he had risen. He had met with them. So there is a before and an after. That word end there joins the experience before and after. You can think about your before and after experiences in life. They're, they're throughout. Did I spell something wrong? It's right to me. I'm just taking some cues from my wife. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, before and after. Um, you know, 
in my personal experience, you know, I was born in Pennsylvania and moved to Minnesota. And actually, I've, I've lived in Minnesota longer than I have in Pennsylvania. But, you know, that's a before and after. We sometimes use that as a definition, or it gives us a point of reference before and after. And, uh, you know, even, even today, yet I have people sometimes ask me when I'm talking or people I'm doing business dealings with, they say, well, you got an accent. You know, you're not from here. And, you know, even though I've lived in Minnesota longer than I have in Pennsylvania. And uh, I, they, I still carry that, that Pennsylvania accent along with me, evidently. Um, so that's a before and after. And, uh, you know, before I went to school, for you younger children, that's a, that's a, that's a marked change of, of uh, transition. Before you went to school, after you went to school, Delvin gave an announcement this morning about the achievement tests. And, uh, you know, that's all of the learning process. Before I went to school, I didn't know how to read. And uh, I grew up in the era where my reading was learned by vowels and consonant sounds. We didn't have phonics as we have it today. And, you know, it was the Dick, Jane, Sally, and Spot stories that I learned from. And, uh, you know, but after I learned to read, after I went to school, after I learned to read, you know, I'm, I'm, on, my, I'm on a roll. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to learn more about the world. And uh, for those of us as Christians, we think about before we were a Christian and after we were a Christian. And that goes back to our Sunday school lesson somewhat. Those that were, uh, you know, accepting and acknowledging who the Messiah was, who Christ was. For me, another foundational uh, change in life was was this one. You know, it was it was life before a relationship. It was life after a relationship. And I, I'm not exactly sure when I know when it began. And I asked her, I said, uh, I said, it's got to be very close to the time that I ask you to be my wife. And uh, I said, you know, I think if somebody would ask me, I'd remember the date. And she said, if you'd have done the asking, I think you should remember. <laughs> so we're not exactly certain on the exact date, but it's, it was very close this time of the year. Uh, but, you know, it became Warren and Loss. It goes together. Lynn and Rachel. Uh, Dennis and Mary Sue, Gary and Gene, and all the way back through. It, you know, you, you use them together. They're one. And uh, so it talks about a, uh, you know, when it became that relationship before and after. And uh, I think it's interesting that I only know of one other, one other couple, uh, Warren and Loss, at least conservative Mennonite. There may have been others, but the only one I know is, is Maxine's parents, Beth's grandparents, um, Warren and Lost Clugston. Not the same last name, but it was the first name. I still remember the first time we met them there at Maranatha Bible School, and they introduced themselves as Warren and Lost, and we said, well, we're Warren and Lost too. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't happen every day. Uh, anyway. But uh, that word end is a joining together. It's a connection. It talks about a relationship. I talk about vocation. Before I was a dairy farmer, and after I was a dairy farmer. 
And, uh, you know, so those are some of the things that, that we think of as we think of the word end. Then I thought about the cosmetic world, and you can think about your personal end signs as you have taken your journey through life. But then I thought about the cosmetic world. You know, the cosmetic world likes to play on that before and after, too. If, you, if you're observing anything, whether it's the, uh, the, uh, the balding heads or the, the wrinkling skin or the uh, muscle tone stamina issue, you know, they like to show pictures of before and after. This is what this product can do for you, before and after. And they play up on those ads, whether you can believe them or not. I guess that's your choice to, to, to do that or not. But, uh, well, that's the cosmetic world. I thought about the word end in relation to the scripture this morning. And uh, throughout the word of God, there's, there's a, from, from Genesis through, the, through the, the book of Revelations, there's so many before and ends. Uh, you know, the idea of, of creation. The Bible really doesn't tell us a whole lot about before creation. It doesn't. It's, it's pretty much silent on that. And it's hard for us to understand what, what, what it was like. Uh, scripture does tell us it was without form and void. What was that like? I don't know. But then we have a very detailed account, you know, what took place, what God did, what God accomplished after that. I don't know if you thought about it or not, but yesterday was Earth Day. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important. I, I appreciate, I, I think it's overdone, but, you know, to... And I appreciate it more recognition was given to the creator of the earth rather than you and I as human beings simply trying to sustain it because it gets a little out of balance. We can save the earth. I think we ought to be good stewards of the earth, uh, soil, water. I think we ought to conserve and do what we can. But, it, you know, our, our world today, our culture today has gotten totally out of balance and they think we can live here forever. Well, that's not God's intended plan and purpose. Uh, he has a different plan and purpose in mind. So that's creation, before creation, after creation. Well, we know we have recorded what happened after. Well, what about the flood? We talk about the flood, before the flood and after the flood. Uh, you know, I, I thought about that in relation to, you know, Noah and his family were the only surviving uh, human beings. They were the only ones that actually could give a documented account of what it was other than what we have in the Scripture. But, you know, I see after the flood, as they... Uh, conversed and visited with people, well, this is how it was. Nobody could refute them, because other than if they went to the account in the Scripture. And you and I can't refute it either, but Noah and his, and his family were the only ones that could personally, first person, say, okay, this is how it was before the flood. I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective, talking about before and after. Talking about the coming of the Messiah, uh, you know, we have in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is prophetically looking forward to the the coming uh, Savior, the Messiah. And then we get we have the silent years in between. And then we have the New Testament where we have His life and death recorded. And again, that's that in the New Testament. We have His life and His death. We have His resurrection and His return. These are all all ends in the Scripture. Uh, we have his ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit, as we talked about in our Sunday school lesson. Turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, as I thought about from a spiritual perspective, and maybe making a parallel to the, well, deeper than the cosmetic, cosmetic world, because 
Having a relationship with Jesus Christ is more than something that just happens on the outside. It happens on the inside. Matter of fact, it needs to happen on the inside or it won't last. It needs to happen on the inside. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. We have here a biblical scripture account of before and after what happens as we uh, embrace Jesus Christ. I'd like to begin reading at Galatians chapter 5 verse 14. For all of the law is fulfilled in one word. One word. I thought that was interesting. We're talking about one word here this morning. <laughs> the word end. And then Paul says to the Galatians, he says, All the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. This account here in Galatians gives us a picture of before and after. Look at verse 14. I mentioned one word. Actually, the commentators say it's... And then he goes on, he says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He's saying it's not just one word, but it's one precept, one truth. All of the law is fulfilled not only in one word, but in one principle concept or truth. One precept. Verse 15. Uh, sounds kind of barbaric, doesn't it? Well, that is human nature, really. In When it's left unbridled, when it's left up to unchecked, it's barbaric. Human nature, uncontrolled, is very barbaric. We need an antidote for that. And that's in verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He tells us that there's an answer to that barbaric action of biting and debarring one another. And we'd say, well, we don't, we don't do that. Well, we let human nature run unchecked. We'll be farther and deeper than we want to go. And the, the answer, the antidote for that is to walk in the Spirit and you and I do not need to fill the lusts of the flesh. Verse 17 tells us that we need a power that is greater than ourselves for the flesh Lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Uh, we, we, all of us, probably, if we're honest, would say we have experienced that conflict in our lives at some point or another. That conflict of the nature, the old nature, and that conflict of the spirit. We know what what we ought to do, and Paul described it that way. He said sometimes we end up doing the things that we don't really want to do, and that's that can be our experience as well. But in ourselves, we do not have that power or ability to, to resist. It's only through the power of Jesus Christ that we can resist and have uh, power over that carnal nature in our lives. 
Again, that comes back to the thought in Sunday school class. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need Him. I personally need Him. We need a power that is greater than ourselves. Verse 18 tells us that we don't need to be, if we be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Um, we, we can live above the letter of the law. That's what the New Testament is about. Living above the letter of the law. We don't need to read and, and, and look for a, a minimum uh, status quo, perhaps would be another way to do it. But we can live above that. We can experience freedom and deliverance from the, the, the restrictions of the law. And God will enable us to do that. Living above the law. And then we have that category of, of uh, the products of the carnal nature, verses 19, 20, and 21. You know, human nature left to itself will produce those expressions of carnality in our relationships. But notice verses 21, 22, and 23 is, is the after. After we have had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be bearers of that fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. But again, there needs to be that crucifixion of the flesh in verse 24. The old, the old man needs to be put to death, needs to be crucified, Paul said, daily. And we need to daily die to the old nature as well. Verse 25, Cody tells us, our lives will tell which force is controlling us, whether it's the flesh or whether it's the spirit. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If we're giving testimony of, of being controlled by the spirit, let, let's produce that beautiful fruit that it talks about there and again it's singular it's it's one the source is one it comes from the holy spirit living within us but it has many manifestations there of love joy peace long suffering and you know those are all things that we like uh to experience in relationships am i giving that expression in in the relationships that i have Verse 26, and I, I'm not sure why exactly verse 26 is on the end, but it, I, the only conclusion I have is I, I know human nature. And I think the Apostle Paul knew human nature too. He says, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Uh, you know, there's always that threat that we, we, we desire that vainglory. Vainglory is, is something that is empty, that is unsatisfying. And... Uh, our purpose and goal is, in life is to bring glory and honor to God. Not to, not to that we receive the glory from the fruit that's being born, but it's because of, of who is living within my life this morning or who is living within your life. It's for His glory. Let us not be desirous of that vain glory. Does this describe my life? Does this describe your life? The before and after as I talked would I be a good advertisement for Christianity would I be a good advertisement for Christ as people know me as I thought about the word end there was another expression that came to my mind
as I was meditating on that word, that word, I, my God and I, that expression, and there's a song by that uh, title, and we do not have it in any of our books, I don't think. Uh, I did not actually check the Zion's praises, but I, yeah, maybe I did, but I don't think it's in any of our books. But I, I thought about that as I thought about the word end. And, you know, that's what we're talking about here in Galatians. We're talking about us being joined to God. God being joined to us. God and I. It's the title of that song. Let me read through this song, and I want to come back and uh, make some, uh, share some thoughts in regards to this song. My God and I go in the field together. We walk and talk as good friends should and do. We clasp our hands. Our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadows you. We clasp our hands. Our voices ring with laughter. My God and I walk through the meadows you. Verse 2. He tells me of the years that went before me, when heavenly plans were made for me to be, when all was but a dream of dim reflection, to come to life, earth's verdant glory see. When all was but a dream of dim reflection, to come to life, earth's verdant glory see. Verse 3, My God and I will go for A together. We'll walk and talk just as good friends do. This earth will pass, and with it common trifles, but God and I will go on unendingly. This earth will pass, and with it common trifles, but God and I will go unendingly. My memory of this song goes back probably, and I'm not exactly sure how old I was, probably seven or eight, at our little Red Run Mennonite Church, Lancaster Conference Church, where we attended. And I'm thinking it was probably either an all-day meeting of special meetings because uh, I remember that's the first time I heard that song and Harvey Fox Sr. was the song leader that'd be uh, Jay Fox and, and Stanley Fox's dad and uh, he was up front the church was about this size I suppose barely and uh, that was a theme song that he had selected for this this weekend all day service or whatever it was and uh, he sang that song and I could still see him up front singing it and uh, I remember my, my thoughts were, uh, as I, at seven or eight, I thought, you know, that sounds, that's kind of sacrilegious. <laughs> that, was my, that was my concept, you know, walking with God in the field and, and as good friends laughing and talking. You know, my, my, my thought was it was kind of sacrilegious. But, you know, the older I got, uh, the more I realized that, uh, you know, I believe that's actually the relationship God wants with His children. That close of a relationship. I'm convinced of that. You think about that. Is that what kind of a relationship you have as you look at this, as you think of the words of this song? And I want to just pick out some words of, and I don't know the history of the song. I don't know what all the history is behind this song. Maybe someone can share that with me later. But as I thought about it, it says, My God and I go in the field together. You know, I like that because it's, it's farmer-oriented, okay? I'm prejudiced. Uh, but, you know, fields are talking about productive life. Fields are talking about uh, work. God wants to be with us in, the, in those experiences. When we're, be, when we're being productive, when we're being working, there's a time of, of, uh, of busyness. God wants to be with us. He wants to walk together with us through that time. Young parents, middle-aged parents, whatever stage of the game you're at, God wants to be with you through that, that busy season of life. 
And uh, he wants to walk and talk. He wants to hear from you. It's a a two-way communication. We come and we discuss in the Sunday school lesson and the sermon. And, uh, you know, but there's six more days left to talk with God and to hear what he has to say. You share your thoughts. You listen to him. That's the way a good friend relationship is. Walking and talking. Talks about clasping our hands and our voices ringing with laughter. And then it concludes that verse there. It says, we walk, we clasp our hands. My God and I, we walk through the meadow's hue. Uh, What do you think about when you think of a meadow? You think of, this is what I thought of from a farmer's perspective. I thought of rest. I thought of feeding. I thought of relaxation. You know, God wants us to be, and uh, God wants us to be, God wants to be with us through the senior years of our life too. Or the reclining part of our day, if you want to narrow it up. God wants us to be through the, uh, God wants us to, wants to be with us through that part of our experience too. That time of resting, the time of feeding, the time of relaxation. Verse 2 talks about, He tells me of the years that went before me. And, uh, you know, I said in the scripture, God doesn't tell us a whole lot about, uh, you know, before creation. Um, well, I, I like to think that's a learning experience. There's so much in history that we can learn from. Dwight shares a lot of sermons from history. We can learn from history. Uh, God using Dwight to share from history. History books, reading, whatever. He tells me of the years that went before me. You know, my small slot in time is so narrow and so small. And to think of all the vast resources of, of experience that we can access simply by looking at history. Now, I know young people, you, you like to look down the road in the future, and that's good. I, but, you know, the older you get, probably the more you look back sometimes. At least I do. We reminisce and we get nostalgic. And Anyway, God, it's a learning experience walking with God. And he says, when heavenly plans were made for me to be, God has a, a definite plan for each one of us here. I like the expression of the uh, poet there when he said, when heavenly plans were made for me to be, God has plans for each one of us here this morning. Someone said it this way, there's two very important dates in life that we need to need to be aware of. And one is the day you were born. Okay, Anybody ever forget your birthday? Other people might, but hopefully you don't. The second thing is, the second important date is to the, recognize the purpose for which you were born. That's the second most important reason. And that has to do with our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are here for a purpose, and that is to glorify God and to work in his kingdom, to work in his vineyard, and to build his, his kingdom for his glory. talks about, in verse 2, to come to life, earth's verdant glory, sea. Uh, verdant has to do with green, growth, foliage. Uh, you know, we, we get the impression, the, the picture we get here is to come to life, earth's verdant glory see. Uh, we, we, we can see God through creation. We can. We can get an understanding of him. The, the way that scientists have documented the order and, uh, of God's creation, it, it's reassuring. Uh, and it, it continues. It, it revolves springtime and, and harvest. And the seasons in between, you know, it's, it's impressive that, it, that the earth can green up as fast as it does. It really impresses me. Here in the north particularly, it doesn't take that long. Um, 
Verse 3, my God and I will go for A together. A has the idea always. Will you always walk with the Lord? Will I always walk with the Lord? My God and I will go always together, we could say. We'll walk and talk again just as good friends do. This earth will pass regardless of how many earth days we have. He says this earth will pass and with it common trifles. You know what a common trifle is? Well, it's a matter of slight importance, insignificance. And I thought of the verses in Romans 8, verse 18. It says that the difficulties of this life will pale in comparison to what we have in eternity. That's another way of expressing it, I believe. As, as we pass through life, these common trifles will seem so small as we look back. They're insignificant. Does this describe my relationship with God as we walk and talk together? I was impressed with that song. Well, as a sermon has a beginning and an end, That's a little bit of a play on words there. But you know, it doesn't have to be the end of the sermon, does it? For me, it doesn't have to be. I I usually digest my sermons throughout the next week, and I I think about them, and I I, I look for uh, opportunities of of growth in my experience. And, uh, you know, as you prepare a sermon, you always get a double dose anyway. At least that's the way I find it. And uh, so I, I challenge you this morning... Uh, as you think of that word end, you know, you look at the mile markers on your journey of life. And what are they telling about your walk with God? What are they telling about your relationship with Him? Does that hymn, that song that was written, I think it was written in uh, 1957, if I'm right. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I thought it was significant because it's the year I was born. And uh, But does that describe my relationship with Him? And the, the thrust of my... And the goal of my message is that each one of us would would cultivate a closer walk with the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Shall we kneel for prayer?